Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And today is part two in our series looking at the divine feminine. And today I welcome mystical physician, author, pioneer in the fields of spiritual wisdom and holistic health, Christine R. Page, MD, to today's show. She offers uh, something I can't read in my writing here. I got it all prepared and I can't read it. Individual, that's what it was. Individual soul readings. I got to get better at my handwriting. It's getting worse and worse. It's like a doctor's writing. Um, astrology workshops, uh, sacred journeys and retreats throughout the world. And her latest book, which I just read and thoroughly enjoyed, is entitled The Heart of the Great Mother, Spiritual Initiation, Creativity, and Rebirth. So it's a joy to welcome Christine R. Page to today's show. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Oh, blessings. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, you, you sound like you're from Britain originally. Is that right? I am indeed. <laughs> so right. I recognize well, that's your three, accent. <laughs> that's three weeks in a row I've had British people on my show. We had a Scottish person two weeks ago and then a couple from London, and, and now we've got another one. So, well, <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, okay. The, the, the opening uh, chapter of your book, or maybe the introduction, says... Um, Teachings beneath the stars, and I, I love that phrase. There's there's so much. It's a very poetic phrase. Uh, it seems to me that there's so much wisdom encoded, right, in various things, in nature, in, in um, artifacts, in religions, um, in in everything actually, in within the body. And and so these are these are all the teachings beneath the stars, right? That's exactly it. Well done for seeing right through everything else. I think that we have, uh, and our ancestors have left so many messages for us, especially for times like this. And this is the time. So really, I wrote the book to say, <clears throat> you know, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to what's there, not necessarily right in front of us, but what do we already have available to us that we can tap into right you know I'm, I, I i was always a, a liberal studies person when i was in school you know and math, math was always a little tricky for me but as i grow older i, I realize how much beauty there is in mathematics right yes. it's um 
in the in the the elegance of it, you know, and the, the way the universe unfolds in in various p patterns and um, fractals, you know, the Fibonacci series, which you which you mentioned, I think, and um, the idea that there, there there is a a seeming order and harmony to everything, and and this is mirrored in some of the artifacts that you know human beings have created over the millennia, you know, where like you talk about the the spirals at Glastonbury Tor, for instance, and and Stonehenge uh, being two examples of that, right? Where the the the, the ancients were actually quite highly tuned to this order and harmony of the of the universe, and we've lost that, I think, as modern um, people cut off from the the visceral, if you like. We're, we're very much into our heads, and now we're into our machines. Oh, I, I so agree with you. And, uh, you know, I love going around sacred sites and I love the fact that, yes, they do align to the sun and the moon, but the actual placing of them and the, the dimensions of them, it wasn't by chance. They didn't just take a few bricks and throw something there and say, hey, that will do. I was just reading that, you know, how even the Great Pyramid, its exact dimensions are the exact dimensions of, of the earth itself, or the radius, the, the, you know, the circumference. And it's like, how did they know? And yet, it's almost everything is mirrored on this earth for us to understand who we are. Right, yeah. Which is fascinating stuff, isn't it? And so how does that all link in with this idea of the goddess then? Well, to me, you know, we're in a phase where it's not so much, and I always want to say, it's not just about women, it's about the feminine. The feminine is the creator and the destroyer and the birther, and the masculine is the doer. And so I feel we're in a, almost an outbreak. That's why I say we're dissolving to evolve. And so it's our feminine that's saying, okay, I'm breaking down that which you've experienced before in order to give birth to something new. And of course, we're seeing that. <laughs> and in many ways, what we're seeing in the world today has more than two faces. One may say, what well, this is terrible, we're locking down. But in the lockdown, there's also been this opportunity for experiencing ourselves, what really matters to us, coming home to ourselves. So it's almost as if everything's happening on many levels. And I see it as positive for us to be able to really check in with who are we, what do we want to do, um, how do we want to live together, and then to be able to birth a new world. Right, which is a necessity, isn't it? If we're going to make the shift from an old paradigm, you know, which has served us, but is no longer serving us, right? We're, we're overpopulated, uh, there's climate change concerns, et cetera, et cetera. We, we just can't continue the same old way. That There has to be a shift. And it seems sometimes, you know, we get disasters or uh, you know, things like COVID-19 that, they force us to shift in a way, right? And even in, even during that, there's this resistance, you know, well, no, no, we, let's just deny it sort of thing and, yes. and keep on the way we've always done it. But that's re not really listening to, to Mother Nature. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And, you know, there's a tendency. I do a lot of workshops in about entering into mystery, and that means trusting the intuition, trusting your heart, trusting your inner feminine. And boy, men, men and women, it's not just men. We all hold on. But do I have to let go of this identity or do I have to let go of this? Can't I just keep working on this? Yeah, and, right. 
you know, it's like winter saying, well, let's just keep sticking the, the leaves back on the tree. You know, please don't let you fall off the tree. And it's like, no, this is normal. If we look at the cycles, winter is normal and the dark moon is normal. But we, you know, traditionally we've got rid of in the in the feminine way, we look at, at the, the virgin mother crone, and we could really be looking at springtime, summertime, and then you know, fall and all and, and the winter. But if throughout traditions we got rid of that third quality, what I call the crone or the destructive quality, and we did that even in the church with you know the virgin mother, the virgin Mary, the mother Mary, but we got rid of Mary Magdalene. And it's very interesting as I study different traditions how the nervousness of this much more, one might say, destructive feminine is always pushed out into the limits. And again, she's not destructive. She's just saying, you know, guys, we can't keep doing this. We have to change. And so often so-called disasters occur for this to happen and because we're so stubborn, we won't let go otherwise. You know, there's a phrase. There's a phrase in Japan called wabi sabi, and it's it's about allowing things to change, right? To enjoy the uh, the flowers when when they're dying as much as when they're in their full bloom, right? And and part of it is nostalgic, lo looking at things changing, but part of it is being comfortable with with those changes. And yes. um, I think that's a wonderful concept, you know, that you because we tend to have. Uh, Pretty flowers. As soon as they start to fade, you know, they they dumped in the in the <laughs> trash bucket, right? Yes. Uh, and sometimes it's it's uh, efficacious to to watch them. I mean, I'm not saying we have dead flowers all over the place, but but on the other hand, you know, that's part of the cycle, and and to allow that to be is is important, I think, and not just literally, but I'm uh, you know, in terms of symbolism, I'll yes. allow for all stages. It's it's the same with old folks, you know, tend to be shunted off, whereas you know, they're often the uh, the ones that hold a lot of wisdom, right? Um, in in that age of the crone or whatever, and and so you know that that's that's something to be honoured. Not to uh, uh, in our youth obsessed culture, we we don't uh, give credit to to our older folks. Oh, and, and we see we've seen that happen across the world. You know, with our care our care homes, our elderly homes, right? Exactly. Not caring for the elderly, and then, and often actually not. I often think we're not listening to what they want. Um, I have to say, you know, I've got a lot of elderly friends and, and family, and they're saying, we've been through an awful lot more than this. You know, stop. Yes, we want to, we will take care of ourselves, in other words. It's like, ask us what we want rather than assuming you know. And I think that's just what you're talking about. Well, I put up a post the other day that, that said, you know, I was thinking about my parents and my grandparents dealing with the uh, Second World War, and, and they were from Europe, from Britain. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, and even over here in the States, it was tough. But it was even tougher in continental Europe, where, you know, you, you know everything was getting flattened. And yet they came through it with grace, you know, and uh, that was the way worse than what we're dealing with. So it was encouraging for me to say, hey, if they can deal with it, you know, I can certainly deal with this. You know, I don't want to be a wimp about it. That's what I harness, think. That's what that, those that, energies. Exactly. And that's what, you know, I've got a 90-year-old friend who says, look, you know, let me make my decisions. She said, most of my friends are already passed. You know, she said, it's not a surprise to me that I might die. Um, you know, but let me make the decisions how I live, what the quality of my life is. 
Let's talk about the triple goddess because I'm I'm very interested in Hinduism and um, the triple goddess, of course, fe features very strongly there. You know, we we the, in that tradition, uh, yes. you know, you you have Saraswati, who's the, the the linked with creativity and the arts and music, uh, the the sort of virgin aspect, yes. the purity, and she's you know usually uh, wearing white clothes and and she's she's sort of linked to to. Bridget, I think, or Bridget in the yes. in the Celtic tradition, yes. and then then you've got uh, Lakshmi, you know, which is uh, the, the the goddess of abundance and nurturing and uh, giving yes. fl the flow of, of things, you know, which is the the mother, and and then you've got the images of Durga or Kali, you know, representing the crone, the um, sometimes destruction, but it, really it's transformation, right? It's it's part of the the cycle that that. It dissolves things and so new things can come forth. So I, I, I'm fascinated how these um, these triune qualities, you know, uh, are seen in all in all traditions. Right. You you mentioned a lot about Egypt and and uh, ancient traditions in Europe. And but it's it's cool. It's interesting for me that they're mirrored everywhere. They are indeed. And, and I work in Japan and I work with the, the women in the Japan and and I, I think what I'm interested also in is how mythology has got twisted, I have to say, in, in order to focus mainly on the mother energy or the virgin energy. And again, um, there's there's story there of Amrita Su, who is living in her cave, which is the crone, the place of the crone, and she's tempted out of the cave and they put a big boulder across the cave so she can't go back in again. And of course, that's disastrous because once you stop that cycle, you literally are, are, are almost dooming that society because without those three faces, there is no evolution, there is no spiraling. Well, there's a there's a novel I just read, and, and they actually I had the the people who'd um, done a book of essays on on the novel uh, on my show recently. The book's called Deep River. It's the last novel of uh, Shuzaku. Endo is a famous Japanese novelist, right. and uh, anyway, the 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 four different uh, couples or people in the, in the the protagonists in the novel all end up in India. Then they're looking for some kind of redemption. They they come from various uh, broken um, lives, and uh, they they find it in on the banks of the the Ganges, you know, at at, at Varanasi. And right. uh, but but one of the pivotal points in the in the in the story is was when they go down into the inner sanctum of the uh, the goddess Chamundi, who represents um, the emaciated one. You know the the crone in the ultimate sense of uh, taking on the sins of the of the of the world and uh, find redemption in in that, that horrific image. In a sense, it's horrific, um, but that's very moving to me because sometimes it's in those moments of greatest despair and dissolution, right, that we find the greatest um, renewal, right? The the greatest sense of uh, possibility. I, I think I absolutely agree. It's a great story, and I it reminds me of the uh, an Inanna story out of the Sumerian legend, where again she is got it all. She's the mother on the surface, but she knows she has to go down into the other world or the underworld to meet her sister Erishkigal, who is very ugly. <laughs> Again, there's this idea of something not so pleasant, but it's almost like Inanna says, I have to go down there. And I think we're all going through an Inanna descent at the moment. 
because when she says, well, you know, I'm coming to visit, Erich Kegel says, well, if you come and visit, you have to follow my rules, not yours. And Inanna goes, wow, I'm the queen. I don't have to do anything she you do in my world. And I think that's what we're going through here is following a, a pattern that we don't know what the outcome is, but we know that there's going to be rebirth from it because out of Inanna's descent, Erich Kegel, Inanna dies, and Erich Kegel gives birth to new life, which is, you know, this tremendous transformation we keep seeing. You know, and people, I know you talk a lot about uh, alchemy and also astrology, and, and a good part of the book is based around um, astrological understanding. And we'll talk about that in the second segment. But I think once people hear the word alchemy or whatever, they think of, um, you know, strange people trying to turn, you know, uh, base metals into gold or whatever, and uh, some kind of mumbo jumbo, where it's really, again, it's it's very symbolic, isn't it, of taking the ordinary and making it uh, extraordinary um, in our very lives, right? Take taking the the COVID nineteen situation and and making something out of it, right? Um, and well, it doesn't right. have to. And yes. I get so sad with people always saying, "Oh, we live in terrible, terrible times." And, and yes, we have to accept that it's it's not a lot of fun right now. Right. But I don't like I just can't see it as you know. I think it's like Charles Dickens said, you know, it's the best of times and the worst of times. That's always the way it is, you know. And we get the choice to see how we take the worst of times, you know, and, and make it hopefully, in some sense, the best of times. I, I believe that. I mean, I have a very old. I've always been connected to one might say the spirit world. And I've always trusted that energy of transformation. Even when things have happened to me, I've gone, okay, there's a loving energy here. And I, for the crone energy, she's always saying, I love you so much, I will not let you be less than you are. That's why I'm destroying you. And mm. I think it's that level of love, of the deep love, to go th to take someone through a stage where they may be confused and in pain, but to know that we're doing this so that you can experience much more of yourself. The real alchemy, as you talk about. And it's a spiral, right? Yes. Um, you know, you talk a lot about that too, and a lot of the ancient imagery uh, you know, uses spirals, labyrinths, um, yeah. circular movement, and the spiral is based on the triangle, right? Because as the triangle moves forward or up, it spirals around. So again, it's that, that triangle, that triune nature of things. Um, unfolding a bit like the um you know the the fractal idea right that it, everything is contained within everything else um but in a very interesting and uh, outpouring way and you've got a formula here that i like which is also a sort of triune thing right um and we maybe can talk about this a little bit it's uh, see if i got it right force focus and intention equals intention, right? So talk about yes. that. Something like that was fa fascinating for me. So it's, um, I, I use it in some ways about as if we were going to fire an arrow, that if you've got an arrow, and that's really our lives, if we fire the arrow, we don't, we don't put any force into it, then the arrow's just not going to get to that target. However, if we put too much force in, it's going to smash the target. At the same time, where are we trying to focus is so important. Where is our, our intention? And there's so much talk at the moment about creating our own reality where we're all doing that. That's nothing new. But 
where is the focus? What is the source of our belief systems or what is the source of our intention? So if we're just proving what we already know, then that probably isn't a great focus. But if the focus is like, let me live my incarnation fully, that's a much more powerful and expansive type of focus. And the force, you know, to me is the, the Shakti or the energy of the feminine, right? Yes, um, it, is. And, it is. And the focus is the, the, the masculine energy that's, uh, you know, tends to structure things a little more and sort of mold out, out of the, um, the amorphous energy, the, the, the infinite possibility uh, yes. through intention, you know, into actuality. So it's, it's a very powerful formula of creativity, right? It is. And, and, you know, if I use it from the, the Kundalini or the chakra level, you know, as we bring up that, and I believe bringing up that Shakti energy, you know, if it gets diverted by, if I may say, more personal thoughts or beliefs or emotions, then that force is not going to be as clean. So the more clear we can be with that Shakti energy, the more powerful the transformation. Right. Interesting. There's a, this, a section where you talk about the uh, the churning of the uh, the sea of, of milk, yes. which is a, a Hindu myth. And I, I do, do we want to get into that? Because I found that very fascinating. I found uh, it, it made a physical you. interpretation of it very good, too. I, is there I some way we can <laughs> do it in a short form? Um, I feel that, uh, how can I say it in a short form? You know, I think I'm going to just come back to what you were talking about, the Trinity. And I think that was a key to this is that, our, and I may be just shifting away from what you were saying there, but I feel that this idea of the Trinity has maybe been diverted from understanding that in the beginning there is the one, the energy from which, we're talking about the energy from which creation comes, and within every mythology, that energy often creates a duality, like twin suns or twin energies. And I think that is that part of that story, that there are these two forces that are opposite and arguing with each other. And they think that all they can do is fight with each other, but that isn't enough. They have to keep returning to the source, which is the deep intention of why we're we doing such a thing. And I, I think that's what's going on at the moment, that there's so much polarization around the world. This, you know, you belong to this or this, whereas we're forgetting the source of where our energy comes from, our consciousness comes from. And I think she is saying, you must never, ever forget me. I can take away your energy in a, in a heartbeat if you don't pay attention to me. And in the story, it's, it's the sort of angelic parts of us, isn't it? The angels of our higher nature, as we might say. Yes. And, and then those more demonic forces, you know. We're not, we're not trying to personify them as the devil or whatever, but just those parts that are more selfish and and conditional or whatever, but they have to work together and churn this ocean of milk to find the nectar, right? To find the exactly. ambrosia of immortality. The, in other words, the essence of what makes life worthwhile. Yes. And uh, they churn it with uh, a, a snake wrapped around a mountain. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating stuff. But the way you interpret that is, you know, very interesting because it's, it's when you lo look at the uh, literal story, you think, oh, my God. That's interesting, but it's fantastical. But when you look at it as uh, the way we move in our own consciousness, it becomes very, very potent. You know, um, it, it's, it's a wisdom story of, yes, this is the way things, things work. And I love it. When they first ch churn the ocean, 
it becomes poisonous. And uh, this is just so true to me because when I start my inner work, right, um, when I open up new new areas of my being, uh, sometimes I get very angry. You know, there's a lot of cleansing to do, and, and yeah. it seems poisonous. Many of us stop at that point. Uh, yes. In unity, we call it chemicalization. It seems like we stirred up a lot of crud from the bottom, you know. Um, but we have to persevere, right? We have to keep going through that moment. Exactly. And then and then there's that piece where it's, you know, you can get uh, the glamour, as I, as I call it. You can get lost in the glamour of the spiritual uh, Evolvement, like right, wow! Right. I saw this. Wow! I saw that. Wow! I can do that. And it's like, don't stop there. That's not the milk. <laughs> That's just the encouragement. But it's not the purity. It's not outside us. It's inside us. That that's what we're looking for at the end result. And not and, to get and, to not to get you know bypass to do spiritual bypass. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, folks, uh, I hope that tickled your fancy because it's it's laid out beautifully in the book and um like i said there's the, the symbolic interpretation is is so uh fine i think that it, it'll inspire you so another good reason to get hold of the book uh if if this show is you know inspiring you to do so and of course you can always find the book and all the usual outlets and since we're talking about that if people want to get in touch with you christine What's the best way to do that? I have a nice, easy website, which is christinepage.com. And my Christine is with a C-H and Page is P-A-G-E. And uh, you'll find everything there. And if you have any questions, please come to me at info at christinepage.com. I also have Facebook and everything else, but uh, that yeah. would be the start. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Excellent. So um, a lot of the book, as we said earlier, is is to do with uh, astrology, right? And the the cycles in the in the heavens that are really also mirrored within us. And I I love that old phrase from ancient Hermetic. Uh, oh, we're at the break. Let's come back. Let's hold that thought, folks. We'll come back after the, these messages from Unity. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. So welcome back to today's show. I'm with Christina Page, and we're looking at her book. It's entitled The Heart of the Great Mother, Spiritual Initiation, Creativity, and Rebirth. And the thing I like about the book the most is that word creativity, because we are asked, I think, at this time to be creative, to to see things a little differently, to make a shift, to not be bogged down in the fear and the anxiety which is so common, unfortunately, and the misinformation, and to go to the place that gives us true information. And I, as I was mentioning uh, before uh, the break, uh, I, sorry, we had to rush off there, but um, in the Hermetic tradition, you know, there's the phrase, as above, so below. 
and and I guess as below, so above. And and Jesus referenced this, saying, you know, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It's the same kind of interconnection there that uh, that was talked about in in that philosophy. But I love it because it means that everything's connected, right? And, and we 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 only need to be attentive to find huge amounts of wisdom. The ancients were very attentive. And you talk about in the book, uh, Christine, you know, the fact that they they knew uh, the fine tuning of the, the movement of the stars and the moon and uh, and the whole function of the earth. As you mentioned, the, the, you know, the pyramids uh, mirror the, the diameter and specificity of the earth itself. So this is fascinating stuff. We, we can tune into an amazing amount of wisdom, yes? Oh, I, I hope so. I mean, the, the understanding of the precession of the equinox. <laughs> um, they, we didn't, we still don't know about this, but they did. And then the Maya did and the Incas did. They created all their sites, understanding that, that the earth has this wobble, this very slow wobble. And it's amazing. You think, well, how, that wasn't about putting a stick in and just measuring the distance of the sun. You'd have to put a stick in for a long time to know this. But everything they aligned to they knew about these very small but important movements of the earth you know when the tsunami happened in on the indian ocean um what well, several years ago now you know there was the story of the people uh, sup supposedly primitive folks primal uh, tribes on on islands in the middle of the indian ocean who who had sought, you know, high ground way before there was any knowledge that the tsunami was coming. Yes. Um, but other more civilized people, you know, on the coasts of India and Sri Lanka didn't know it was coming and, and there was a lot of damage and death. But uh, yeah. these people were still in tune with the rhythms of the of the earth yes. and the ocean. And, and so they, they knew, right? And and I think that that's what we're talking about. There's, there's ways to learn and understand things that perhaps we've forgotten in our modern life, you know, where we're, we're not, we are attuned to the television or to the iPad or iPhone, but we're not attuned to Mother Nature anymore. No, and, and uh, you know, if we want to believe that that information may, may not always be the best, let's put it that way, you know, that's why I speak so much about the moon. Because the moon, wherever I am in the world, is we're all seeing the same phase. And so I look up at that wherever I am and know that, you know, my husband can be looking up at it. And it's the same phase, the same face that we're seeing at that time. So I, that's why I spend so much time talking about the moon, because she is our constant companion. She has this amazingly unique unity factor with us. Uh, we never see another side of her face. And this idea that her circumference fits exactly in front of the sun to give us a solar eclipse. I mean, these are amazing things. Um, we take for granted if you've ever seen the eclipse, you know. So the moon, and I think the moon for us is our nurturer. What I, when I do astrology, and I am an astrologer, I talk about how the moon is where we go when we get stressed, or it's what nurtures us. So if our listeners know anything about astrology, look to where your moon is because we all need to nurture ourselves with our moon each day. So mine is in Aquarius, so I need to have time alone. I need to take time out for myself. And so each of us has these moons. And then I speak about moon phases, what phase of the moon in when you were born, and where was the moon, what we call the nodes. 
that I hope this book of, you know, encourages everyone to go out and say, oh, I want to know more about this because I want to know more about myself. So I was looking myself up here. I'm, I was born in Leo, and that looks like it's in the dark of the moon, according to this chart. Am I correct? Um, is, your, is your moon in Leo? Yeah, uh, no, it's my son. Okay, I'd need to know your um, I'd need to know your date of birth to be able to tell you that. Oh, okay, all right. I don't That's know. If you'd be willing to give me that? Uh, yeah, it's August sixth. Okay. Need the, you need the year I do as need well. I the year as well. Yeah, nineteen fifty-two. Okay. So I just happen to be in my office, so I can actually just look at that for you. Okay, all right. <laughs> just standing in front, but. You know, I, you know, as a doctor, I kept saying we must have, there must be messages within our body, within our astrology, within our numerology telling us things. And I do numerology and people go, wow, that's so interesting that I can learn this about myself. And it feels that why are we not using this knowledge as doctors to know what someone's going through? So this is why I'm, I'm fascinated by all these things. I can look at someone's eyes. I did iridology. I looked at the eyes and I could tell you about yourself. I looked at your toes. I could tell you something. So just to let you know, you were born in a, as a full moon type. Your, your moon is opposite your sun. And your moon, like mine, is in Aquarius. Yeah. So we have a similarity there. We have that interest. I'm sure you need time alone. We have an interest in interesting things, but we also need to get away from things sometimes. Right. That's it. And your north node is in Leo and your south node, excuse me, your north node is in Aquarius and your south node is in Leo. So you've got a lot of Leo and a lot of Aquarius energy yeah. there. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> well, that, yeah. that figures, that, that, you know, rings true for me because I'm, a, you know, was a, a, well, I still am a minister, but I was a church minister for, you know, three decades and you've got to be outgoing to right. do that and yet there's also that sense of need, needing to be alone and reflective and yes. and work on things so you know i'm comfortable in both I, I don't get bored not doing anything i can just simply be because there's so much to see you know so much to understand so yeah that, that fits for me um yes yeah, it's, Thank it's you. interesting pleasure's mine i mean you, you know someone who's a full moon type like yourself you know, needs to be on the air, needs to be out in the spotlight, but it can often be that it can be also nervous because you're looking for someone else to give that approval for that to happen. Right, so, right. you know, congratulations for bringing that into all of the awareness that you have. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, the moon is uh, very powerful, isn't it? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the, uh, the, you know, the eight phases, the wheel of the year, Yes. Um, you know, which is based around, the, like you mentioned, you know, the the, uh, the 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 sun, but also the moon, right? They're, it's they're combined. The, it's it's that procession around the the, the uh, uh, once around the sun. That's the, and then all the phases of the moon involved in that. That is quite fascinating. And you know, we've just we've just had a full a new moon in Cancer, so we're in this creative phase that everybody from now until the full moon, we're supposed to be putting out our new projects, doing new things. We've got more energy. But just before the new moon is a time when we don't want to put out new projects. We actually often feel sleepier or wanting to stay in the house more, be more introspective. So I think that if we can listen to our energy systems, it makes life so much different for us. 
You say you, you, you take groups around the world to sacred sites and everything. Yes. And uh, that can be just fascinating in and of itself. But is there a deeper purpose to that? What What have you found in doing that work? It is. I obviously, well, I say obviously, I have a great love of sacred sites, uh, particularly stone sites. Um, but I've traveled a lot of the world, fortunately, both with my work and as a sort of traveler. And sacred sites hold a specific message and they're not, as I've Said, no, not all the same. They're not all was just trying to tell you where the full um, the sun is rising or the sun's setting. And what I've recognized is some of them are places where we go inside ourselves, some are places where we give birth to ourselves, some are places where we receive information. It, it's just for me, it's a richness, and it can be not just a stone circle or a stone building, it can be a famous tree, a beautiful tree. It can be a beautiful river, a lake. I mean, places like Lake Atalan in, in Guatemala, amazing place surrounded by all these volcanoes. And when I go to them and I'm, you know, working with this now, I'm doing a virtual travel. It's, I just want everybody to have their own experience. I'll give some guidance, but then have the experience yourself. Right. And I'm a big proponent of people finding that in their local area as well. You know, it's fascinating to go to these world uh, famous sites and et cetera. And, um, but it's also, I think, important to find, you know, the water sources Absolutely. and the flow in, in your own neighborhood, you know, in your own city or whatever. Um, and, and enjoy that, too, because that's part of your own flow in your own life. It's a, it's just, as you mentioned earlier, the moon is in my sky, but it's also in your sky and everybody else's. Um, so, you know, the, it, even in the local sense, I can tune in to the, the magnificence that's around. And that's been a joy for me, actually, in, in COVID, is I've been staying in my house a lot more than I normally do. But we've been gardening and enjoying the, the, the flow of the seasons and, yes. you know, all the animals, bugs, birds what that come, come through and it's that sense of i'm i'm attuning to mother to mother nature more and more through that and that, that's beautiful uh, i totally agree i think we've all been in wonder i've spent more time at home and i was watching these beautiful golden dragonflies yesterday and this amazing beautiful big yellow butterflies and maybe i wouldn't have noticed them if i'd been out and traveling and working and I think nature is just really saying, watch me, listen to me, I'm here. Especially that those that have got wings, you know, I really do believe in the, the winged spirits often coming to us much more than anything else. I think you mentioned that in the book, don't you, that uh, the birds particularly are talking yes. to us more um, now and, and that the they, because they represent that freedom, right? That's right, um, exactly. That ability to fly and... Um, and, and to show incredible grace and elegance. I love birds. And so there's, that to me is endlessly fascinating, you know, the, and also the mysterious calls, you know, I love the whippoorwill in the evening calling yes. Um, yes. because it's, you know, it speaks to me for almost from another dimension, you know, that um, this, it's not just a built environment where human beings live. This is, this is a planet that's filled with, you know, a multiplicity of wonders. Oh, I so agree. And, you know, in my the work I'm doing with this virtual travel, it is about me hearing from everybody about where are the sacred sites near you? Not something that anybody else might consider sacred, 
but you go there to get solace or you go there and you feel a certain thing. And Mother Nature is, it's, is every, as you say, these energy fields are everywhere. And sometimes I think that one of the things that's happening to us is we're reconnected to the earth and her mystery in a way that we may not have done because we were so busy rushing around you know, on top of her. Now we're going inside her. So a big part of the book, uh, you know, the third part is all about the um, the 12 stages of the, the zodiac, you know, of evolution and dissolution, as you call it. Um, and, you know, could you give us an overview of that and what's that about? Because I'm not really that familiar with astrology. And so I, I got I fa it was all fascinating to me, but I wasn't sure how it all fits together. And then the other question I have about it is that. Um, as we proceed around the, the circle, um, some of the qualities seem to be repeated, right? So we have, um, I don't know, there seem to be a, some, the triple, maybe the triple goddess just came in a three different forms. That's what it was. I so think anyway, that's the, it, the, yes. The, the <laughs> overview. Can you give us a, an overview of what this system is about? I, thank you. And you picked that up. We were... In my, when we were editing the book, we saw that, and I said, just let's leave that where that was, that triple goddess, because it meant something, but I didn't want to get too deep into the different meaning. So I believe that, you know, as we've talked about, it could just be a breath in, a breath out. We call it inspiration, expiration, uh, this duality. Then we could look at it as a trinity. We could say it's a breath in, a breath out, hold your breath, like we see the waxing moon, the waning moon, and the dark moon, so three phases. And then we move it out into the eight phases of the faces of the moon. But the 12th, the 12 is a number also we've met in Arthurian legends, other ways of looking at stages, Hercules trials were 12. And so 12 is the other numbers of the signs in the zodiac. And what we as, as an astrology, we say it's almost like a journey. So the Aries stage is the excitement of something new. You're going to start new. And then Taurus, you go, okay, what are the, what's the, the things I need to be able to do this journey? What will nurture my journey? And then Gemini, the powers, and then Cancer. What am I meeting in the world that I can learn from, etc. So it goes all the way around. And really, if we go from... Well, we could start with Pisces, but let's say from Aries round to Leo is the building. It's the hero journey. And the hero journey is to keep building, have an idea until at the full moon or at the top, at Leo, you go, damn it, I'm there. And that's signified in, in many, many cultures, the ability to achieve. But in every culture and every reading I do, it says, but that's only half of it. The ability to get to the top is only in terms of material success or outer success. The real fulfillment of the soul is to then go deep within yourself and to claim parts of yourself that you may not have claimed and to really come out of it all with wisdom. What is the wisdom? What is the truth I've learned? What do I know about myself? And there, that's that spiral that we've been talking about that we're not just going around in a circle. Many times in our life, we go, wow, I'm back here again. Why am I here again? And it's because we're not on the same circle, but we've moved up and we're meeting the same issues, but on a different level with different wisdom, with different knowledge. 
And that to me is life. And eventually we, we come to the appearance that we don't need to keep cycling in this way. So it's impossible to find the truth and then say, okay, I found it. Now I got a solution for everything, right? That's right. It doesn't work that way, does it? You know, you come to another uh, right. turn in the road and, and that truth doesn't stand anymore, you know, and they, at least you, you can't keep it overnight. It's a bit like the manor in the desert, right? It rotted yeah. overnight. Yeah. It has to be fresh every day. And uh, this is something that I think frustrates people sometimes because they want to be given a book that will tell them everything. And it's it's way more subtle than that, right? We have to be part of the flow. And the flow, you know, is different on different days. So just as the moon's phases are different on different days. And that's part of our lives. It is. And, and I think the idea of a linear path, and people often say I'm on my spiritual path, or I'm, 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 that's my past, here's my present, here's my future. If we go back to the understanding of us, what I like to say is we're a flower and we are in the center of our flower and we chose the petals that we want to live in this life. In other words, it's not because we've done something wrong or it's our karma, but we're here to be creative. And every time we embrace that truth, that wisdom, we're literally changing the collective consciousness. So the next time we meet it, we've changed, but so has the world changed. I mean, that's the joy of why we're here, not to finish something, but to be constantly creating and be creative in this experience. That's yeah. the ultimate. There's not an end point. That's what I'm right. saying. I think it's often yeah. taught you get enlightened and that's it. But we are enlightening all the time. And as is the world enlightening with us, it's a hologram. It doesn't, it's literally our relationship with everything around us that we delight in. And we forget that because we're so focused on getting to an end. I think a lot of people love the idea of the cornucopia, you know, the idea that there's this horn of plenty out of which everything flows. And, and you talk a lot about it in, in terms of mythology and, and the symbolism of the female you know, the cauldron, and the, the cauldron, again, is the womb, isn't it? It's, it's yes. out of which comes light, new life. Yes. And I, I love that idea. The Holy Grail is, is a form of the cauldron, I guess, you know, that has yes. the, the, the nectar, you know, in this case, the blood of yes. Jesus, symbolically, the blood of life. Um, but, uh, but I love that idea that, that you know, the, that's the, the ever-fulfilling givingness of, of the, the goddess, really, when I was when I turned sixty, I, I, I was given a gift by my wife of uh, the goddess Annapurna, who's the goddess of food, nice. and she carries the uh, a big old cauldron and a, a bowl of rice, yes. and then on the other hand, she has a, a ladle and she ladles out the rice. It, it's the image of givingness, you know. And um, but I, I love that this this the idea that there is that infinite possibility within and around us, right? That is that that cauldron of um, uh, uh, like I say, possibility, fruitfulness, you know, uh, nurturing. Absolutely. I love that. I, I actually had the opportunity to walk under Annapurna many years ago, and uh, I felt her presence then. And I, I feel that it's, you know, if, when I'm working with women especially, I speak about how the period is about letting go, emptying the womb. And even though, you know, after I had gone through the menopause, I, I still empty, and it, it's the same for men. There's such a, she is saying, I will feed you as long as you empty first, because if your bowl is still, is always full, 
there's no room for me to put anything in. And I think that's why we see images of even the pharaoh becoming like a child again in the arms of Isis, saying, you have to give up something. And I think that's what the stage we're in at the moment is, what are we emptying to allow something new? It's not, and that's why the moonlight gets smaller and smaller and smaller. He becomes, he becomes smaller and smaller, gives what he has for her, so she'll fill him again. And it's that playfulness that happens. Yeah, I love that image. Yeah, that's beautiful. And for folks who are not familiar, Annapurna is also the name of a mountain system in, in Nepal. Uh, you know, and, and there's a famous track around it, um, the Annapurna Circuit. And, you know, and I used to go up to Jomson and places like that. Um, you know, I, I did that back in the day, and it's it's right. a glorious place to to visit, as you mentioned. And yes. but so the yeah the, the mountains named after this goddess of of uh, provision of food, basically. Mm-hmm. It says it's beautiful, and in, you know, in honor of her, we shouldn't be walking on any of these mountains. I mean, these mountains are so sacred as the the giving. It, they're like cathedrals. You know, you wouldn't walk on a cathedral. But I think that being able to be under them and to know feel their energy is so amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, let, let me introduce uh, next week's show. And then after I've done that, uh, would you give us some final thoughts to, of encouragement uh, for this week for those of us who are going through whatever we're going through, you know, in this difficult and interesting time? Um, so let me give you a moment to think about that. And, and I'll tell everybody about next week. Next week, I'm joined by my wife, Wendy, once again for part three of our series on the, the Divine Feminine. And we'll we'll talk about our personal connection to the Great Mother, uh, both from the mystical Christian tradition and also in Hinduism. And uh, that powerful image of the goddess there, which uh, it, it really influenced and inspires me, this idea of the Shakti power of, of the universe. Um, so that's next week. And, and Wendy's always a lot of fun on the show. so. Look forward to that. But for the last couple of minutes, um, let's come back to Christine and words of wisdom for us to help us. Yeah, I, I will. And uh, thank you You've so much. You've given us a lot, by the way. So <laughs> thank you for letting me go. Just a few more. <laughs> I, w- I want to say this from a medical point of view. You know, viruses, we see them as a negative. Viruses are messengers. And we might not like the message. But our body, our DNA is full of old messages brought to us through viruses that help us to evolve. And so I, I want to, everybody to understand that how I don't want anybody getting sick. But the fact of the matter is these things happen in our evolution to help us to evolve and open us up. And so, you know, recognize that we are loved on a very big level. This cosmic energy is is bringing these such messengers in to help us. And I would say is that the lockdown has helped us to get in touch with what it feels to be at home with ourselves and not necessarily with other people, but what matters to us. And I say, look at maybe three core values that you don't ever want to lose. One of mine is connection. One of mine is curiosity. You know, what really matters and live our life from those places. And then finally, I think I just want to say is, remember how much loved you are. And that, that it, what's happening to us, as I said, the crone is saying, I love you so much. I will tear away that which is not true to you anymore so that you can grow and 
and blossom as the beautiful being that we are. So I, the message of love, the message of inspiration, and the message of just trusting that things are moving in the right direction. Right, very beautiful. Thank you, thank you so much. And um, I think that's helpful for all of us. Certainly, it's for me. And uh, and the idea that everything's a lesson, right? There's there's something yes. to be learned from all of this, rather than see it as a, as an awful curse or whatever. That's um, right, folks. If you if you want to check my website, it's pauljohnroats.com. Uh, send me a message at pauljohnroats at yahoo.com if you'd like. Also, always interested to hear from you. Um, but right now, I want to say thank you so much to Christine R. Page for being on the show. It's been very fascinating. Get hold of this book. I think you'll enjoy it. Carolyn Meese uh, said that it's a masterpiece of ancient wisdom and truth. That's, that's a nice recommendation. So thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciated it and enjoyed it. Bless you. Thank you so much for doing and inviting me. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.